almost a year ago, we had a couple on that were planning to go on a long motorcycle ride. They were going to spend about a year on the road. They're a close couple. They're used to spending time together, and they'll each be riding their own motorcycle. They are Sharon and Doug Wildeboer. Now, Doug is the motorcyclist of the two, meaning that it's his idea to ride the motorcycle for travel. And although Sharon's right there riding along, she describes herself as a reluctant rider. Last time we spoke, I asked if they could do the trip without the motorcycle, you know, maybe swap it out for a car or something like that. And would they still get the same thing out of it? For Sharon, the answer was yes, no problem. But not for Doug. Doug wants a motorcycle adventure. But as we're going to find out today, being a reluctant rider can mean a lot of daily stress for Sharon, which Doug may have some trouble recognizing. These are just some of the challenges of traveling together, but of course the rewards can be fantastic. But this isn't the only challenge they have. Before they departed, they, they saved their money and they rented their house out so they get some income while they're gone. But they're both planning to work from the road. So travel, ride motorcycles, travel inexpensively, and work on the road remotely. How this all works out will be revealed today. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manick. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Pavey. Bill Bergoon. Patty Capetos. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Graham Jarvis. Quentin Smart. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters. CyclePump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. I'm Sharon Wildeboer, and I am traveling around with my husband on a motorcycle. He's riding as well as me, and we are currently in Istanbul, Turkey. Hi, I'm Doug Wildeboer. We're from uh, Ontario, and uh, we've been traveling on the roads since July on our motorcycles. And uh, we started in Iceland, and we found our way all the way to Turkey. So we are in Istanbul, Turkey now. Sharon and Doug, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. We spoke last year sometime in the summertime, I think is what it was. You, Yeah, you guys will remember the date for sure because it's, it's just before you left on your trip. We talked about things that um, you were considering for the trip, what your trip was all about, and things that you thought might go wrong on the trip, etc. So it'll be interesting to find out if some of this has come true. Now, you say you're you're in Turkey now, are you? Yeah, we are in Istanbul, Turkey, and we've been, I don't know exactly, but about six weeks we've been in Turkey. Mm. You're, you're to the point where you're losing track of time, are you? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've been out um, since July. We've we started in Iceland. We uh, we meandered through Iceland and and took a ferry to to Denmark and and found our way over to Ireland and wrapped around Ireland and down into Morocco and um, so eventually we found our way over to Turkey and uh, and yeah we uh, um, finally. We're, uh, we're we're moving a little slower, perhaps, but we've we have kind of lost track of time. Um, <laughs> we remember when we have meetings or things like that, <laughs> set, set alarms to right. remind us. <laughs> because the other thing is that you guys are working on the road. And I want to talk about that. But first thing I wanted to ask about was the bike because you had the bikes all shipped up. You've got two bikes. I, I think uh, F800, F700, was that it? Um, 650 and an 800. The yeah. 650 and the 800. Okay. So you got these bikes, you had them all packaged up and you were shipping them. Were you shipping them by air or by sea? And how did that go? Oh, uh, we shipped them by sea. Um, they were picked up by transport in Toronto and, and out in a truck up to Halifax and uh, found their way onto a container. And uh, indeed, when we flew out to uh, uh, Iceland, we, uh, we managed to, uh, to get over to the shipping yard and, and uh, they brought out the container for us. Gave us a drill even so we could un- uncrate things. And we got everything back together and found our way to a campsite. And it was a very, very long day, but uh, it was successful. We were, there was no damage. There was, uh, um, it was just just time. And um, we we were uh, we were quite happy with how that went. Didn't you have your tools on a spot marked on the container or something? I did. I I yeah. did. We uh, we kind of put a um, X an X the on spot. the spot on the crate to where I could reach in to to grab my uh, my hand screwdriver. But uh, if I have the choice between a uh, screw gun <laughs> and uh, and or or my screwdriver, I, I did use my Robertson bit. So uh, so so I did use the tools. Oh, we go. were totally we were totally entertainment for the lunchtime crew there because they just came out and watched the Canadians slowly reassemble the bikes. I just. Mm. Moved around the uh, recycling, and he put things back together. Did you learn anything from that? Was there was there things that you did that you thought you shouldn't have, or or maybe that you would change in the next time? Um, I was quite happy with uh, with how that worked out. Um, I I honestly didn't know if. Uh, you know, there was a concern that, you know, will they have to clear customs, you know, is will we know where they are, but they won't be able to give it to us until we get all sorts of paper um, filed away. But fortunately, uh, the shipping company um, had asked for the right paper ahead of time. And by the time uh, by the time we got there, they just uh, we kind of show up at the door and they said, yeah, we hang out here for a second. And security brought us around to uh, to loading door and. Uh, and uh, we could, and we didn't even know for certain that we'd be able to put the bikes together, you know, on the yard. But they gave us a, a high vis vest and said, "Have at it." Mm, that, yeah, that's what I was wondering is is how certain you could be that you're actually going to have the space, even even a place to get rid of the garbage. I mean, what did you do with the skid? Because if I remember correctly, you got two factory skids, BMW factory skids, and you made it into one. Yeah, yes. that's correct. They have a um, green program throughout Iceland, and so they had all kinds of different recycling marked. And like I said, while he was assembling, I would march things over to the appropriate bin and and uh, put it away. And then in the end, they're like, oh, no, you could just leave it there. We would have done all of that. Oh, wow. But you didn't know this ahead of time, obviously. Did, did you figure out any way to tell ahead of time? Like, Because I'm thinking of you with your screwdriver, you're preparing to be by yourself, which I wouldn't. I change if I were you because the next place may be different, but to get some sort of indication of what the facility is going to be like, like you said, you're not sure where you're going to have to assemble these things. Did you figure out any way to find that information? 
It was a challenge, really. I mean, Doug did a lot of back and forth, but of course you're dealing with language issues too, although most people in Iceland spoke English. Um, so really it was just blind confidence. There's a certain there's a certain amount of um, if you ask the question and you say and they say no, um, then you're kind of stuck. So sometimes it's actually better not to have the actual answer because you know if you ask the boss, he might say no, but if you show up on the day and, and give him some good smiles, um, you probably will get a yes from uh, you know the guy in the back or, or anything like that. So I, I'm, I'm somebody who kind of prefers to ask for, for forgiveness. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, in the end, they ended up, I, we had even had a plan to, to be able to uh, um, be able to lift the, the front of the bike up to be able to get the wheels, uh, the, the front tires back on and things. So I had stuff and blocks to be able to, uh, to look after it manually. But in the end, um, the forklift was there, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll lift it for you." And and you know, so we strapped it and lifted it. So so we it, it was even easier than uh, than we were prepared for. Oh, that's that's really nice. So what was Iceland like? Because before you before you left, we were talking about, I guess, your concern about the weather. That was one of the things with Iceland. But what was it like? Kind of like what they said, right? Like, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes and it'll change. <laughs> we got pretty fortunate uh, with the weather being good overall. We had definitely some cold, which we anticipated. So we used our heated vest or heated gear. And um, the wind, that would have been the hardest part. Like, there was some literally wicked wind where you're kind of leaning to the left as you're turning to the right to compensate. And I kept saying, I feel like you could get blown off the road. And Doug said, no, 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 that could never happen. And then we talked to some motorcyclists later on who said, oh yeah, this guy got blown right off the road. <laughs> like from a surprise <laughs> gust sort of thing. Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the wind, what would you have said it was going at, Doug? Yeah, there, I think it was about a hundred kilometer hour winds for, uh, for, wow. for a day or so. That was, uh, that was, that was, I didn't like that, that day. Sharon didn't hour. like that. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, to settle Sharon's nerves and then she hears, uh, <laughs> hears stories like that. And that didn't help me at all. <laughs> but, uh, no, Iceland was fantastic. Iceland is, is a country of, of, uh, rounding the corners and seeing something new at, at almost every corner. Um, and when you think it couldn't get any better, um, it, it totally changes and it's so diverse. You know, you go through, uh, lava fields to mountaintops to gorges. waterfalls to gorges and it is just so incredibly diverse and, and such a treat to, to just ride and, um, and, and round the corners and over the, over the hills and passes. It's just, uh, every time. They have so many waterfalls. They're not even named. You just drive past a farmer's field and you're like, oh, that's his or her waterfall. I don't know, right? Um, but from there, we really like the West Fjords in, in Iceland, which I don't think gets talked about as much as the Golden Circle. So I definitely would highlight that for anyone. And um, from Faroe Islands, we took a ferry and did a couple of days in um, Faroe Islands. And that reminded us again of the West Fjords, just gorgeous green huge, beautiful landscape. And um, so a lot of times what we were expecting, it just gets surpassed, which is amazing. And you, you were camping while you were there? Yeah, we camped the whole time. They have a Iceland camp pass. And that is a pass that's good at about 
30 different sites or so around the island and you just pay one fee and it's good for up to 30 days of camping. So we actually found Iceland more reasonable than what we were expecting because for the most part we camped and cooked and ate from the grocery store and we went out for, for you know, a few meals, but that wasn't our go-to. The camping pass is kind of like an all-you-can-eat restaurant. The more you camp, uh, you know, the cheaper it becomes each night because uh, it's just a pay-one price. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you talking about that uh, b- before you left, and it's, it seemed like a good idea. Yeah, and the other thing a lot of the campgrounds would have, too, is they'd have communal kitchens, which would more be like almost like a hostel model, and people would leave food behind. And so, you know, if you want to eat pasta and sauce, you could do that probably every night for free with the, uh, <laughs> with all the leftovers from behind. But <laughs> why would they be leaving their food behind? Well, maybe, especially like say in Reykjavik where we first came in and that was a big transition spot. So the campground that we were there actually wasn't on the camping pass, but there was so much food. You honestly wouldn't need to buy just because of all the in and outs, but maybe they're going hiking. Maybe they didn't want to carry it. I don't know, but um, there was always food to be found. And are you seeing other international travelers while you're riding around Iceland? Uh, we met so many travelers in Iceland, um, and it was just, um, yeah, quite, quite, um, quite a community. And you sometimes run into them more than once, uh, you know, because you're often making similar stops. Um, and then, um, you know, as as you get towards the ferry, um, then you start running into some of the motorcyclers that are getting ready to get on the ferry the next day. And and um, yeah, we we met people. Um, just even waiting in the line for the ferry that uh, that invited us over and 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 offered us you know a place to stay anytime we want so so we kind of took note of a couple of them and uh, took advantage of a few of them. They're they're offering accommodations. They're yes. offering accommodation you know because it's they're all traveling and you know this one's from Germany and there's one from France and uh, you know so 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 uh, it's it's just um, a welcoming community uh, you know you put a bunch of bikers in one place and 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 they're all talking quite quickly yeah where do you head to after that after the Faroe Islands mm-hmm well we headed to uh, Denmark and actually one of your listeners had heard the podcast and she reached out to us on social media and we ended up staying with her, P.S. Stevenson. And oh, um, nice. from there, she hooked us up with other people. So, yeah, actually for, I think, our first week in Denmark, we had all free accommodations. Oh, wow. That's great. And Pia's place was was nice. Uh, yeah, she's she's a she's an incredible rider in in Denmark. She does all sorts of off road stuff and uh, um, even Dakar some some sort of Dakar stuff in yep. Morocco and Close whatever. by and the it. Danish Rally Cat. She's also a mechanic, so Doug got to do some uh, maintenance work. Did some maintenance work there, but also we just had intentionally planned to take um, a couple of days there just to kind of rest. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think. We are just jamming in so much in in Iceland. We want to see everything that we possibly can see, and it turns out that we can't see it all. Um, but uh, you know, so we we were moving um, hard, I think there, and and we knew. Um, well, frankly, when we got to Pia's place, we were, which was in Denmark, we were still trying to decide. 
do we go left up into Norway or do we go right down into Germany? Um, and hadn't really determined our route at that point. And, and that's kind of happened repeatedly on, on this trip in terms of we, we end up at a crossroads and, and haven't totally decided if we want to go left or right or straight. Um, and uh, we kind of figure it out when we get there. So, uh, so that was one of those times. Yes. You've met other riders on the road as well. In particular, I'm, I'm hinting at is the one in the Netherlands. We uh, we met a, a really great uh, young couple uh, that were cycling uh, around cycling, Iceland, yeah. and we actually rode the same ferry from Iceland to the Faroe Islands and met them in the Faroe Islands at the campground there, and um, and we just just a, a couple that you just kind of click really quickly with. And, and frankly, we've had a number of couples like that, that uh, dialogue comes naturally. And, and maybe it's because we're of, there's a certain similar mindset to, to people that are kind of taking on a sort of travel or, or, you know, whether it's cycling or motorcycling. But you've got people that are interested in learning about the world that, um, you know, that we, there's, there's something common about that in travelers, I think, right off the bat. And um, so they invited us. They said, well, you should really see a, a, a medieval town. Dutch, a small medieval Dutch town. We live in a medieval Dutch town. So, so sure enough, a couple of weeks later, we found ourselves in, in their area and, uh, and asked if we could visit with them. And, and they, they showed us around, uh, around their town. And, and it was really neat to get um, sort of an inside look into, into some of the towns as opposed to just the... Um, yeah, so people showing you where they live, you get a different feel for that community, for for what is important to that and their history in a way that you don't otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Is this where you ended up doing some technical riding? Oh, well, <laughs> this is when we came up with a new rule. We were en route from their place to visit Doug's sister who also lives in the Netherlands. And this uh, biker... Uh, just got really excited because he saw us and he waved us over. And when he realized we spoke English, he started speaking English. And he, he got super excited to show us uh, some routes. And, he, you know, I'm not I'm not a technical off-road driver, but he's like, oh, no, it's just a fairly easy path along the dike and follow me. So so we did. And and uh, it it cut uh, a little little more uh, than I was expecting. <laughs> With, within a short period of time, we found ourselves opening up gates and moving, riding through fields, and then trying to drive up the grass, to up the up the dikes to the top of the dikes. And and Sharon, like a trooper, I was laughing in my helmet because because I would have never expected her to do it, but. Um, um, you know, when, I just when you're following somebody, you, you either go or, or don't go. So so she she went um, and got up fine and, and, and did really well. But I, I think... Uh, um, Adrenaline then adrenaline. made me stupid. I, I rounded a corner and was like clutching it and gassing it and just spun it out. And that was the first, first drop of the trip. Mm. But it was like, okay, I'm in the flattest country, you know, next to Denmark, and that's where I drop it, right? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then he took us to the super neat steam engine operated uh, windmill, and there's just windmills all over the place. So we had tea and stuff that way, and on we went. And then we got a, second, got, a 
steam engine operated windmill. I thought the steam engine is well, an engine it, and the okay, windmill yeah, is sort a of a water pump, not, a, water not, not pump. a windmill, but a steam driven engine uh, would, would drive a set of water wheels to, to move water. So, um, so it was, uh, it, so yeah, mixing windmill is, is, Sorry. It, it was the inaccurate part, but uh, <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was an ancient, you know, an ancient, an, an old, uh, old uh, area. So, so we saw things that we would never, never have expected found. To, to, mm. to have found. Um, but then to continue on through it, we ended up back on a, on a cycle trail and had to drive. Yeah, we some. were riding our motorcycles with bicycles and, and, and he's like, technically we're not supposed to be here, but it should be fine. And, you, and we're looking at each other like, what? <laughs> I, and I, I, I'm, I'm okay with breaking the rules like that. Sharon, I'm not, Sharon is not yeah. one to, uh, to break the rules. Well, it's so. also different when you're in another country too. I mean, it's one thing to right. do it at home, but when you're in another country, you don't really know what's going to happen. No, and we had been told um, by the first couple we mentioned that you can actually ride your motorcycle on some of the cycle trails, and they're marked. But this one was marked. You're not allowed through. But I negotiated again all of that really well. And then our big, fat, wide panniers, I'm going through a couple poles, and the one pole to the right you could push down. But I did not know that. So I, of course, nailed the one on the left bent the pannier, dropped the bike for the second time. And I was like, oh, man. So we created a new rule after that where, uh, you know, we don't just blindly follow people down dikes. And it wasn't certainly out of out of any sort of bad intentions because, of course, he wanted to, you know, and, and most riders that we run into want to show you, um, you know, they look at your bikes and, and they figure, oh, I, you definitely want to see the, uh, you know, the best areas to, to ride. Um, which isn't necessarily untrue, but but you know we're also currently driving our houses around, so um, so we have to we have to take care of them, and um, and it's more important that that they stay, you know, that we take care of them and ourselves in in a way that uh, that will you know we can continue doing it and not have to you know when you're at home and and you you know when I'm at home and 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 break something I'm, I'm it's not such a big deal, but if it means that it's going to stop your trip, um, it takes a different value. So. So yeah, we just um, we don't blame anybody for, for that because it was it was um, good intentions wanting to uh, to see you know give you a treat, Adventure. but uh, but you just don't necessarily. It's so important to know what your riding partner wants to do or see and 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 ride. But how do you do that though? Well, frankly, I'm still learning it for myself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because I mean, if they offer you a ride to somewhere, you just don't know. And everybody's, I mean, it's all subjective, right? This trail's easy. This trail's hard. Unless you have some yeah. set measuring system, you know, like that you do with some things, you know, if you measure rapids, for instance, you can talk about what class of rapids it is. But for adventure motorcycling, we don't really have that. No, and again, it's perception sometimes, like that hill I went up, I said at one point, it was like 20 feet up. And then we look back at the video and I'm like, it was 10 feet up. <laughs> it was like, it was like nowhere near what I perceived it. But we had said to him, I don't ride off road. And he's like, oh, it's an easy trail. And when we stopped at where the steam wheel was. Am I getting that right this time? Uh, he said, uh, that was harder than I remembered. <laughs> so even, even oh, when you try to have those conversations, it still can go south. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When your guide's questioning himself or, or that's, that's always worrisome, isn't it? You know, or, or yeah. he's well, surprised it's, it's, by the area. 
It's so important, I think, to yeah, to, to have writing partners that you trust and that um, familiar that, that are your, yeah, you have some familiarity with, or at least maybe have communicated in terms of of, of what you're up for. And I, I'm sure that writers run into that all the time because. Um, Especially people that that just get partnered with each other or, or, or partner up for a short period of time, um, with different may, capabilities. Figuring out how to comfort. ride your own ride is still uh, still pretty important in that situation. Mm-hmm. Do you guys take your cat with you? We did not. We uh, we have a dog. <laughs> we we have a cat outside the door. Actually, well, I hear if something meowing. That's why I'm wondering. Yeah. We are on a cat sit, so um, something called trusted house sitters I mentioned. Oh, yeah. Where you exchange watching pets. So we are doing our third cat sit, and this time it's in Istanbul, and uh, Oscar on the other side thinks he should be a part of the interview, I think. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, I heard the persistent meowing. and I didn't yep. think you actually took your cat. I figured it must be something like this. You did mention the trusted yeah. house sitters, and I was curious about that. I wanted to ask you yes. how that worked out. But also the other thing is, is you guys are, are sort of juggling working on the road while you're talk, while you're traveling. And I, and I think, what was it three days a week? I think, Doug, you said you, you had to work three days a week. So you've actually got to connect with your work, your real work, three days a week? Did, did, have you been doing that? Yeah, we kind of went to a reduced schedule um, for, uh, for, for this duration. Um, and uh, so the equivalent of three days a week, it never really works out to, to that in, in, in a square you know, order. It's, it's, it's distributed throughout the week for the most part. And, um, and I believe that's been working out uh, well. Uh, it's, it's always a bit of a, a personal conflict, uh, you know, because I, I, I feel, you know, I'm in a, you know, a new place. We should go and explore, um, you know, but the, as I'm exploring, then I feel, well, maybe I should really be doing some work. And when I'm working, you know, it, there's, there's just this, you know, should you be working or should you be exploring? Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've worked to find the balance in there. And, uh, and, and I believe that, uh, uh, you know, we've been able to, to, to meet the needs of, of work and, and we've been able to, to see things. Um, I think the time zones have really been working well for us in that uh, because, you know, my work is, is North American based um, and we're, you know, largely been in Europe. Uh, North America is kind of waking up um, as we're three quarters of the way through our day. So I can kind of adventure around during the day and find myself someplace to park in the afternoon, evening, and uh, and still be able to team up with people uh, that are that are in their day. So working, you know, I work later a little bit more this way, um, sort of a time shifted thing, but um, that's actually been working out quite well. We are incredibly grateful for that as as an opportunity because, um, yeah, before COVID, we you know working remotely for this company was was not necessarily the norm and uh, through covid it became the norm um and uh, this just became a, became a, um, a variation on that theme and sharon your work was set up i believe so you didn't have to actually do anything <laughs> you had a you had a really good <laughs> setup that you, that you came up with yeah talk about that classes are running so actually before i did got on here with you i just dialed in at the front of my two fitness classes so a chair-based fitness class and a yoga class. And I talked with them for five minutes, update them with where I'm doing and then move on. So 
it's uh, decreasing a little bit with uh, people are wanting to be back more in person. So I think that's maybe running its course, but uh, that's that's been working pretty well and people have been very generous with that. But um, yeah, I just call in and say hi for five minutes and then I let them do their video and I leave. Wow. She usually 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 tells them some stupid story about what I did or something like that. <laughs> Funny, amusing. <laughs> so it, now you've managed to keep the trip. You said pretty much not costing you anything at this point. Then fairly cost neutral. So we expected that we would have to take a lot more out of our registered retired savings plans than we have. We've taken a little bit out, but um, not to what we expected. We between what we've been earning between traveling less expensively and renting out our house back home, it's been fairly, fairly cost neutral. Mm. And how was that uh, affecting your travel? Not so much renting the house back home, but um, just juggling work. Um, I think, well, that was always something that Sharon kind of felt would be a good thing that um, it would force me to to slow down and, and stop in places and not necessarily be, you know, riding, riding, riding. And, and I think, um, kind of like what we were saying before, even with picking other riding partners, I, th- I think if left to my own devices um, and, and not having work commitments, I probably would, would ride five or six days a week and, and just, just explore and explore and, exp- you know, just the roads. But I would miss an awful lot. I would miss a lot of sites. I'd miss a lot of, um, you know, deeper dives into places. Um, so, so I think work was already going to be something that um, that was going to cause us to to make sure that we had a good place to to sit down and and you know even if it's you know over a couple of evenings to be able to uh, to, to work um, and and change up that rhythm so that uh, you know it forced us to maybe have a little bit of roots. Um, you keep saying forced. It introduced a positive. Rhythm and pace. It has. It totally has. Um, but sometimes I need forcing to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's honesty. You have to, you have to say that. <laughs> you, you've um, you've had a breakdown with your bike, I guess. At least one. Yeah. Well, he actually had a couple. His battery went in Iceland the day before we were supposed to go on the ferry, and. Um, we got to this ferry port, like we were saying before, and it's about 45 minutes from the nearest town. And just by sheer grace, around the corner from where it broke down was a shop that happened to have a, a battery, but it had to get charged. And so we went to the camp, set up the camp, and um, this lovely German couple who were also riding motorcycles saw our plight. Doug said, Sharon, you need a break. You go to this church that's doing a concert and I'm going to hitchhike back. And I'm like, I think that's a terrible plan. I don't know. Everyone's coming to the ferry. I don't think anyone's leaving. So I did. I stood out in the corner and I was hitchhiking for a while. And, and this German couple, uh, um, his, his, uh, his girlfriend decided to, 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 uh, to send, uh, send uh, Jürgen out on the road and, and to make sure I was looked after. So, so no, you just, you get people that, that look after you, but yeah, so we had some battery problems along well, the way. Hang on a second. So you actually um, didn't get picked up hitchhiking then you had to be rescued. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. I've got three interesting things that I, I want to mention to you. Stay with us. When we come back, we're also going to find some 
more revealing things about, uh, well, just the, the stresses that people go through, I guess, the things that they have to deal with. Also find it about how they've been able to finance this trip or, or at least keep it what they called cost neutral. Stay with us. I've been exploring the outdoors since I was a kid. I love the outdoors and I know how to survive and thrive in it. And some of the things that I've learned over the past almost five decades is that part of being comfortable in the outdoors is dressing properly. That's paramount because it's much easier to keep warm than warm up. It's easier to stay dry than to get dry. It's much easier to keep your body injury free than repair it afterwards. And when it comes to riding motorcycles, you know as well as I do that your feet take some serious abuse. Stuffed into your boots, sitting out on the foot peg, and in cold weather, the boots catch all that crap from the road. The wind rushes over them, the water, the mud. There's a whole bunch going on down there that isn't fun, not to mention how far they are from your heart. So they, t- they also tend to be the one of the last ones to get any sort of fresh, warm blood. They're often forgotten about until they are cold, wet, fatigued, even chafed. And you already know how difficult it is to warm cold feet. It's not something you can do adequately by the side of the road or in a coffee shop in a few minutes. It takes a long time. takes a lot of effort. But if you wear the best cold weather socks you can get before your feet get cold, it's a whole new world of adventure you're into. Pearly's Possum Socks are the best, absolute best cold weather socks I've ever tried. And I've tried a load of socks. They're made from a special blend of possum fur and merino wool. They're incredibly soft, incredibly warm. They wick away moisture in a way that only fine wool can do. They prevent chafing. They resist mold and mildew and bacteria that's often associated with feet. I'm sure you're aware of that. That's the smell, by the way. The smell that goes along with that, that's from bacteria. And most socks are a breeding ground for that. But these socks have a natural lanolin in them that's natural in the fiber that prevents that from happening, or at least takes a lot longer. Pearly's Possum Socks are the official sock of Adventure Rider Radio. I think you can figure out why from what I just said. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com is a website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Pearly'sPossumSocks.com. If you enjoy reading a great motorcycle story, and who doesn't, there's just one place to look. RoadDogPub.com. Road Dog Pub is a book publishing company that specializes in motorcycle books, and they've got a huge selection to choose from with new books coming all the time. Now, I just received my copy of Mike Fitterling's latest book called A Year in Motion on the Road After Recovery. This is a story of Mike's dealings with um, a major eye injury that he had, and then just as he was recovering from that, he hit a deer. So just incredible stuff. And being the diehard motorcyclist he is, he was itching to get back on the bike to explore the U.S., and that's what he did. And, and, and the book is about his adventure. Another new book just off the press from Road Dog Pub is called The Hog, the Dog, and the Iron Horse. Travels through America by Alex Kendall. Alex uh, wants to discover, apparently, real America. He rode over 20,000 miles trying to find it. On the way, hung out with gold miners, ex-cons, stuntmen, famous comedians, and also became a drug smuggler along the way. And you just know, with a story description like that, that that is going to be a good one. 
Like I said, tons of great reading, so many titles, so many authors, all professionally published through RoadDogPub.com. Now, the books are available at all the big bookstores that you go to, but you can drop by the website RoadDogPub.com and browse the titles, and then you can order directly from them as well and sort of cut out the middleman. RoadDogPub.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. RoadDogPub.com. You know, I think this analogy is so fitting for the point I'm trying to make here. If you were to ask a mechanic, just the average mechanic, which wrench they would choose, you know, a cheap knockoff that looks the part, but will maybe save them a few bucks in their toolbox or a high quality brand name. Invariably, the mechanic will choose the quality wrench every time. So why? Why, why would they do that? Well, is it because that they want to show the wrench to their friends or maybe their coworkers and be proud of it because it's a great brand? Maybe, maybe there's some of that, but doubtful because the wrench really, I mean, let's face it, it lives a sheltered and tough life, meaning it gets used hard and probably never gets shined up and gets thrown back in the toolbox. But when the mechanic puts that wrench over the bolt head or over a nut, they want to know they can count on that wrench, count on it to hold its grip to the max, to not round the corners off and make it so they can't get the nut or bolt undone, to not break when it's forced, have the handles snap off. Because the mechanic understands the value of quality tools that they can depend on. Because it can make the difference of either getting the job done or not. And that's what you get in a pair of IMS products foot pegs. Quality, dependability, rugged toughness, and a design that's engineered to keep your feet in place, allow proper reach to your, for your boots to activate the rear brake or the gear shifter, This isn't done by chance. This is the result of many years of designing and manufacturing motorcycle hard parts for demanding riders. IMS Products is a motorcycle rider owned and operated company. They've got a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs to suit every style of adventure riding. And get this, they're all made in the USA and they're all warranted for life. Warranted for life. That says something in itself about the product. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. Well, hang on a second. So you actually didn't get picked up hitchhiking then? You had to be rescued? I, I, well, I, I, yeah, a motor, a motorcyclist came, came to, uh, to my rescue and, and Kirsten Volen to, told oh, yeah. Jürgen that he was going to go help. Yeah. He's, he's a firefighter back in Germany. And so he's like, even on my holidays, I'm still rescuing people. He's always up for a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so no, they, they stepped in and, um, and, and, and helped us out and, and we, we threw a new battery into the bike. Um, and then that became another issue again, um, when we were quickly trying to get back into Netherlands to uh, just update our SIM cards on the phone, because we have a Netherlands-based phone right now, and uh, the battery went again. But when he got to the shop this time, again, it just happened to be a shop open on a Saturday, very close to where we broke down. He said, oh, that's actually, yep, yep, it's your stator. And um, Mm. wouldn't you know it, Doug packed a stator with us. Oh, so you've got so, your spare you know, parts. You, 
you do enough uh, research and listen to enough shows, eventually you start hearing about things that uh, that you might want to pay attention to. So, um, so I had uh, I had uh, um, packed a packed a stator and and tucked it on. I actually had it on Sharon's bike. She didn't know she was carrying it, but uh, but I <laughs> snuck it onto nice. her bike. And you wonder why she had trouble getting up the hill. <laughs> exactly. She's yeah. she, she's got fifty pounds more on on, on parts on her bike. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> So uh, so no, we we had a stator, uh, so that avoided uh, having to 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 find Wait. a way to get it into a shop and yeah. um, and everything else. But uh, um, we made it back to the Airbnb, and uh, the the woman who was running the Airbnb said, "Sure, you can work on your bike on my driveway." So that's what he did. So, I, but I, I would even, you know, I was fortunate enough and, and have some experiences to, to do that. But I, if I didn't, um, and for where we are, I, I think you certainly there's other ways of getting through a scenario like that. I would never let that, you know, somebody who was not mechanical get discouraged about going on a trip like this because it would have been, you know, not that difficult, I'm sure, to to find a way to to either get it to a shop and wait for the parts and, uh, and and look after it. It's just, it you just change your plans that way, right? And it takes a bit of time, um, maybe some money. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for us, it was just helpful because, yeah, we didn't have to change our schedule. We spent an evening fixing, fixing the bike and continuing on. But um, solutions come, regard, you know, one way or another. We found that over and over. Both bikes are the twin engine? They are, yeah. Right. So, so we do have, yeah. The, exactly. The the parts are the are the same um, for a lot of things like stators and rectifiers, which I have one of those. I have not replaced the stator, so I'm 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 kind of counting on the fact that the rectifier. I'm not going to lose another one. <laughs> what yeah. Oh, right. He has not. He hasn't replaced his spare part of a stator, so oh, hopefully my I bike see. stays the course. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I have, I did one thing that I, I bought along the way that I was really grateful for is, is a very simple little um, uh, USB um, converter, you know, that you can plug in to the, to the, uh, to the battery leads um, and it sticks, you know, puts out USB signals, but it's also got a little voltmeter in it. Um, so it was very easy for me to, to look at it and say, oh, I got seven volts where I should have 14 volts or 13 volts. Um, so it was very easy to identify also that, that, uh, that things were not right. I'm assuming you also brought a water pump for those engines. <laughs> no, <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> well, you said you'd looked at the list of things that go wrong. And I'm just thinking water pump is, is one of those, isn't it? Uh, now I'm looking for some wood to knock on, and, 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 and if something happens, I'm going to come knocking on your door. <laughs> well, that's a long haul for you at this point. <laughs> so yeah. Don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> One of the things we talked about last time was you were, I think, I don't think you'd made your decision on going to Morocco. So, so what happened with that? Well, actually, we were kind of waiting on a cat sit possibility in Turkey, and um that fell through. Actually, it's the person who we're cat sitting for now. And so we found one in Morocco and that was going to be for two weeks over Christmas and New Year's. So we said, okay, Morocco it is. So that was, again, one of those times where we uh, weren't sure which direction we were going. So south cross from Spain on the ferry, again, we went and hopped onto the next continent. And when you start talking about a free place to stay, you're talking my language. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you're frugal. 
<laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> so the whole trip is going to be dictated by cats, really. <laughs> you, you are chasing well, the globe to look after people's I, cats. I, I, tell, I tell you what, I'm so frugal. You don't. I, I'm, I'm actually allergic to cats. <laughs> wow! Wow! That really says something, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It, no, it? he doesn't have severe allergies. As long as he doesn't touch his face, he's usually pretty good. And oh. actually, we spent three weeks in London. Uh, watching a cat, which we never, I would have never convinced him to spend three weeks in London, one of the most expensive cities, oh, if it yeah. were not for a free cat sit. Wow. So the cat's working out well. I'm, but I, I sort of had this the image cat, of Doug yeah. with his face all swollen up and eyes red and watering, <laughs> saying, I'm having a great time. It's free. <laughs> we have allergy pills and he hasn't really had to use them. So he's not all puffy. <laughs> So, so what was Morocco like other than cat sitting? And, and by the way, when you're cat sitting, you're not just like looking at this cat the whole time, are you? No, no, exactly. Most people work. And so they don't expect that you're going to be home all day with their cat. But, right. um, you know, in the morning and at night, you're spending some time with them and they're pretty independent animals. So I really don't think they miss you a whole lot if you're not around. But yeah. um, we've met some lovely felines. But um, Morocco, we had, again, an ambitious start in that we crossed the ferry. We went over and we had to get some new insurance and some different things that way. And um, Doug misplaced his passport at a money change place and then realized that and went back oh, and it was there. Oh, wow. Then he, then he had a work meeting, which just got us in later than what we thought. And we had set a target of going to Chef Chouan, which is the blue city. And we we're really looking forward to that. Um, but as it was, we got there in another raging storm and they do not get much rain there. So they were all super excited about the rain and we were not. More wind, more rain through construction zones in the dark first night. So, you know, if we did that one again, we probably would have stayed somewhere else closer and did that jump the next day. But Chef Swan, once we actually got there, was incredible. And the FIFA World Cup was on. And so um, they won one of their games, Morocco did, when we were there. And we got to see everyone celebrating and got to travel some really uh, incredible countryside. For me, what was challenging sometimes was seeing all the animals, the cats and dogs that... Um, are not pets and you have to respect that that's a different culture, but it's hard as a Westerner to see some of that sometimes. And also as a Western woman, you see some differences in how women are treated and that sometimes uh, gives some friction to my soul. <laughs> what is it with the animals? They're just... Uh, very much so loose and uh, not neutered or spayed. So you, you just see them fending for themselves. And in our context, these are pets. And in those contexts, that's very normal. And we didn't find them to be aggressive. Um, you're just seeing them battling the elements. And um, in the same way, if you see someone who's unhoused, and that's difficult to see, Um you see that with animals and you see that more with animals, I think. Mm -hmm. I think um, Morocco was, was certainly an introduction to an awful lot of different things for us. Um, as Sharon sort of said, you know, making the transition and getting in, you know, importing bikes and insurance and all those sort of things um, really actually went quite well. Um, and, uh, and, and, 
you know, one of our challenges, our new things that that, that we we quickly learned about is um, in in some of these more ancient cities, they have medinas, oh, yeah. um, which are city centers, um, which are often just pedestrian only. Sometimes mopeds, Walled. but uh, but they're 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 mazes. They're they, well, and they were built to be mazes. Um, but um, when you set your GPS to to the name of the hotel or the um, Airbnb that you're staying at. Um, you can't physically get there with a the vehicle, and and so your GPS will do its darndest to try to help you get there. Um, but these places are are on the sides of mountains, and so the hill, the road structures are are really complex with all sorts of switchbacks and and everything else. And and you know it's kind of like trying to get your GPS to get you to to the point in some place in the middle of a lake, and and all it'll do is get you around the shore, you know, one of the shorelines, and it's not really at the hotel, you know, at at the point, but it it did its best to get you close. So we ended up at the in the middle of this rainstorm up above um, the city, looking down on it, um, and and the GPS said I was you know fifty or one hundred and fifty meters from from the place, but yet there was, was still no getting there. So we still had to drive for fifteen or twenty minutes and try to follow a taxi and try to get verbal instruction from people. And it was just our very first day in Morocco was uh, was not as well executed just because there were things that we hadn't learned yet. And um, I think we learned them along the way. Yeah. And um, and, the, uh, and it becomes less, you know, more of a norm. And then all, you know, within short period of time, we're driving through these mazes on our bikes and, and whatever else. And, and uh, get a better idea of knowing what to look for. But the, the owner of the Airbnb was like, go to this restaurant. So then you have a marker. So he goes there and then these guys come out and they wave him over to park and he's like, I'm so glad to see you. This is so good. And he's giving the guy a hug and we have our helmets on and our intercoms on. And I said, I'm saying to Doug, I don't think that's our guy. And then, you know, sure enough, the guy phones and says to Doug, you need to keep coming. Don't, don't go with those <laughs> turn, guys. Turn, turn around. That's not, that's not me. He's just, he's a helper. Don't, you know, because of course, every, everybody wants to help you in, in some way. And, and, and it's, it's, it's really interesting, actually. I mean, I mean, there's, the, the you pe pay pe people. Pe people are looking for, for, for ways to make a living um, and, and to, you know, obviously survive and provide for their families. So I don't begrudge them that at all. But, but so everywhere you turn, there's often somebody who's willing to help you. Um, but you don't understand necessarily, you know, that they're not the person you're looking for. <laughs> and that was that was the case there, and and it it was a stressful night for us. It was stressful uh, uh, for Sharon. It was frustrating for me. I'm trying to navigate with with a you know keep my phone from from dying in the rain and and all these sort of things. So, uh, but uh, but we found our way there, and uh, and the next day was a gorgeous sunny day, and we walked around and. It was completely lovely. You mentioned the GPS and following GPS and how it, it, it creates some <laughs> issues for you. you. You don't have a map with you as well? You're not using a map? Um, I kind of do two. I mean, I usually use my phone and we have, you know, SIM cards. And in this case, we had also gotten Morocco SIM cards. Um, and, and I have a, a Garmin uh, GPS as well that, uh, that I use. So I, I usually try to balance the two of them off against each other and, and, and they don't always agree. That's for certain. Um, it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, the GPS, you hear these stories all the time. Of course you hear it everywhere where people, even drive into lakes and things like that because the GPS turns them the wrong way. 
But maps, yeah. maps are getting more and more difficult to find. I mean, try and they find are. a roadmap nowadays is, is very tough. But but we're 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 constantly running into trouble with these with the GPSs with them, you know, doing just exactly what you described. And it, it does make you wonder if that paper map wouldn't be a nice backup. And to be honest with you, um, I forget, I think for Ireland, I, I did buy a map and, and I, I don't think I ever opened it up. Um, and, and even the maps don't, you know, pinch zoom in as much as, as we can <laughs> on a, on a phone these days. So, uh, um, I admire, I can't, I, for the life how of us, we don't know how people did it before <laughs> phones. I mean, we, we would get lost in the city centers. I mean, even when we're just walking around towns and, and, and exploring, we are forever using our, our phones to figure out where we are and where we want to go and mm-hmm. um, perhaps to, to a fault. But, uh, um, and, and, and we are fairly loose um Loose souls as we wander, we're happy to wander and, and get lost, and but we always kind of have like a cat have the phone to, to look back <laughs> at to figure out where we are. But um, we don't know how people did it before. But uh, hats <laughs> off to you, Sam, and and all these other uh, trailblazers. Well, yeah. you know what the thing is though is when when before GPS, you would look at the map and you would understand where you are. You had to; that was part of it. So you'd have to look the thing over and have a, a plan of action, and even have some overshoot points. You know, like if we come across this road, sort of thing. I've went too far. Those sorts of things you learn to do on a map, which we completely forget now that we have GPS because we lean so hard on the GPS, on the technology that it's kind of like this, this research I remember hearing years ago about how when the internet, you know, really started, started to ramp up, how they found that people's memory wasn't as good because they were, I think they called it Google memory or something, you know, something like that, (laughs) where they were saying that people that are growing up with the internet are actually just learning that they don't need to remember things. They only need to remember how to search for things. So therefore they're, mm-hmm. they're holding less. They're not making the effort to remember things. You know, I mean, think of something like times tables. Well, I can't yeah. tell you how many times it's happened where I'm, I'm, my head is down and I'm trying to watch traffic, watch Sharon, watch my two GPS screens in front of me and, and try to figure out what's going on. And Sharon's like, um, the sign up there just says turn left. Because that's what I find myself doing sometimes. I'll, I'll say, no, no, I don't want to listen to the GPS. I'm just going to read the signs because they're still there. Good at least plan. they are right now anyway. Yeah. Good plan. I'm like, well, the sign says, so how about we go straight? <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I need. That, that's all I need when I have two GPSs that don't agree and I got a third opinion coming from <laughs> Well, the, the funny thing is, lines. what are you going to do with two, two GPSs that don't agree? Wh- which one's right? You mean you don't have a clue, right? So you, you've sort of got to go and, and, and try and figure out another way or guess, you know, to see what. I know, yeah. And I'm like, the people who put these signs up probably know where that is. <laughs> the sign is there for a reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> you guys say you, you've been married for over 30 years and that um, you feel you communicate fairly well, but you'd mentioned that through this trip, um, you found weak spots in your communication skills. Can you um, flesh that out? Well, it turns out, and I, 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 I probably the only guy that, that, that struggles with this um, or exhibits this, but it, it turns out that there are occasions, um, seldom occasions, where apparently I don't listen. Um, this Sorry, is new I to me. I got distracted there. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't always listen. 
I, I, I'm pretty sure I listen when it's r- when 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 the uh, answer is what you want. When I'm interested, <laughs> or when it when it was is it, is it relevant at the time? But there's all sorts of things that uh, that apparently I miss along the way. Um, and no, actually, in in truth, that that is a um, yeah, certainly uh, traveling like this. Um, works a lot of muscles that um, harder than than perhaps we had to work them before um, and and communication is is certainly a big one because um, we are experiencing different things we're experiencing different things in in perhaps different ways um, you know there might be curvy roads that I'm just uh, I'm just loving and uh, and and there might be curvy roads that uh, Sharon is is stressing over um, and and how to decide if we're going to continue on the on curvy roads or or and there, yeah, there's fatigue that comes into play. There's you know there's um, goals in terms of of you know these these are the sites or the things that I want to do with 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 our time and um, finding ways to make sure that that happens for each other in in different ways. Um, you know, starts with listening to the fact that 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 was something that wanted you know wanted to happen because um, otherwise uh, I drive past a place and and then later she says I really really wanted to go to that place and 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 I said that give, give an example yeah um, you got an example you got an example I'm no sure. I don't off the top of my head but I know too like Doug is much more comfortable passing vehicles. And I follow all the time, so I'm much more comfortable following vehicles. <laughs> so, so some of our conflicts has been over his comfort level passing versus mine. And, and I don't mind passing when it's clear and you've got good visibility, but he will pass going up a hill when you can't see what's coming or a curve. And I'm like, nope, that's, that's a few too many things for me. Oh wait! What? But, oh wait! But, but, but I get out of the lane well, well sure. through the time that that I saw. I'm not, sure. I mean, I don't feel that. Oh, I, hang on, so Doug, you're <laughs> passing on a blind hill or a blind corner. That's what you're doing. Uh, um, Occasionally, yes. <laughs> not not where so much of it is blind um, that I know that I won't be out of the lane well by the time I. The track. Oh, this is not. That going sounds well. like somebody. Yeah, you know, you're, you're digging here. <laughs> so this has not been resolved. No, I would say uh, we had a really good, you know, like, and it's like let's normalize this, right? Like we disagree with our partners back home, and so of course you're going to disagree with them when you're spending every day all the time with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a good argument about that, and he does not pass vehicles as much as he used to, and he's more conservative with some of that. And it probably drives him crazy, but I said, well, the alternative was driving me crazy, so it's it's your turn for a while. <laughs> so, so, Doug, I'm curious now, is it, now are you not passing as much because you realized that what you were doing was maybe risky? or So you agree with what Sharon's saying, or are you just trying to appease Sharon and seething The about second. It? 
I, I, I am willing to drive more conservatively if, if it means our trip continues. Wow. Absolutely. It's like he's a politician. This is incredible. I just can't get him to answer right? the question. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's, you know, when the mopeds are doing it, then it's 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 tough to not want to follow along oh, as well. So it's an ego thing. It's driving you nuts and the mopeds are passing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, he, he's, he likes to lead and he doesn't like to have obscured views. Right. And, um, and I'm okay. And actually to his credit with coming into Istanbul, we knew it was going to be a big city. And I said to him, I'm, I'm intimidated by that. And he's like, oh, there's no reason to be intimidated. And I'm like, wait, 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 listen to my words. And I'm like, I shouldn't deny that I'm intimidated. We should acknowledge that and then move on. So when we came into Istanbul, there was a big old bus and um, traffic does get really busy and, and a little complicated with the ins and the outs and everything else here. It's kind of like Toronto on steroids, but he followed that bus for a good long time, which would not have been his default before, but that bus just acted like a big snow plow for us, right? Like it was clearing the way. You knew if that bus is making it through, we are going to make it through, no problem. Um, so he has certainly adapted some strategies for my benefit. Sharon, are, are you finding the riding good? Is it come? Cause we talked about this before and, and I said, you know, what about if you couldn't go with the bikes, would you go and you're all, you're right there. You'll, you'll go without the bike. Not a problem at all. Doug, nah, that's not so much, right? It's all about riding yeah. the bike. So what's the bike riding for, for, or what is it like for you? Has it become something that you're really enjoying or is it still a mode of transportation? I would say, um, there are moments that I really enjoy and other times it is mode of transportation. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance of both. Uh, we had it in Morocco, actually, where I just I I needed a break and I didn't want to ride on the back of his either. So we signed up for a tour and I rode in the van and he rode after us and ahead of us on his motorcycle. And um, people in the van are like, "Why are you not on the motorcycle?" And I'm like. I've been doing this for months and, you know, three day break sounds really good right now. So that was kind of our compromise with that. And oftentimes when we get into a place, I'll, I'll ride pillion and just uh, get a break that way. So, so we're, we're finding ways around that. Was that a result of, um, what was the word I saw? A meltdown? Oh, there's been a few. Which one did we write down? (laughs) (laughs) So, so. Just talk about this meltdown thing. What is it? Uh, oh, it, it's like just stress crying, right? I'm like, can we pull over now so I can just stop and cry for a minute? Mm. <laughs> and he's like, what? Um, yeah, I just there there gets to be a point where there's so much coming at me or so much happening, and and he doesn't process the same amount of stress in the same situation. So it's just. Yeah, needing time to get off the road and regroup, right? And crying can be very cathartic. We had one girl that we know, she lived in um, Canada for years, an exchange student. We visited her in Seville and she said, my teacher says crying blocks or removes the blocks of words from your throat. And I thought, oh, what a, what a good way of saying it, right? So every once in a while I need to cry to, to get rid of the block of the words that are in my throat. <laughs> That meltdown really is the, that's the, the visual audible thing that happens 
after something has built up for a very long time. So before you have that, before you get to that point where you're saying to Doug, I got to pull over and cry, you're stressing something fierce and, and Doug's not feeling that. Correct. And that's probably more of, I mean, and that's not even just necessarily that day. It's a result of, of days of, of activity or travel or days of, of stress or days of, of uncertainty of where we're going to live and where we're going to, you know, where we're going to get, get our food and, and what we're going to need to go and see or do, um, you know, I think that that we've built to some of those stress points um, cumulatively by just not necessarily understanding the rhythm that that we've needed um, as well. I think is that fair to say that we've, yeah. that we've learned a bit along the way because certainly the 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 breakdowns have happened at 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 big moments, but they've usually pointed us to the fact that we're moving too fast, we're seeing too much, we're doing too much. And, and you know, to, to be able to find ourselves in a, in a beach town and, and plant there for five days or um, at, at another rider's place for three or four days or whatever it might be has, has helped us with that. Yeah. Fair to say? It makes me think of when we used to do wilderness trips and we used to teach the guides. And, and one of the things that we would tell the guides is that, remember, watch the person that is having the most difficulty. Watch the person that's moving the slowest because they're actually working harder than everyone else. And yet everyone assumes because they're slow or because they're you know, not moving as fast or, or not, they appear to be not doing as much. And that's not the case. Something that's tough to, I think, always mm. see when you're out front, especially when it's something you're comfortable with. Yeah. 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 No. And 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 um, I can imagine theoretically in in these wilderness sort of adventures or uh, experiences that then the the experienced climbers or, or whoever could could get really frustrated with uh, with those people that are slowing the group down if they weren't um, more compassionate. What exactly are you saying there? We're just talking wilderness exploring of right course. now, right? Of we're, course. We're, hey, okay. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's just something you always have to keep in your mind, though, don't you? I mean, you have to keep in your mind that that other person is not having the same experience as you. And the, and the problem is, is if you keep pushing them to have this, this experience where they're continually stressed, they're going to get to a point where they're going to say, hey, I don't want to do this. We had that too, <laughs> but you know, then I always say, um, I don't want to make a permanent decision on a temporary feeling no, and that has point. served my husband. Well, that that's saved a, me. A, a, that saved me a good couple of times. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a, that's definitely a good saying. Well, looking after the cats from, from one place to another sort of has to mess up a rhythm, a road rhythm, I guess, that you would get otherwise. I mean, if you were just continually traveling with the odd little stop, because these are random and, and varied, I assume, in the length of times that you do it. But have you have you found some sort of rhythm within that? I think we're getting better at it, but we continually bump up against it where... Um, you know, I'm I'm more introverted and I need time to process and I don't think Doug needs that same rhythm, right? So it's it's me articulating and him understanding and then negotiating, right? So it's like I said, right? You, you're normalizing these conversations that as a couple you have no matter where you are, but 
now you're dealing with a lot more change and a lot more unknowns. Mm. I think I think some of the 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 cat sits have have been you know with with the work scenario have been good because then they can be a bit more focused time on on work or or working on videos or or even just catching up on Netflix and just acting like a normal person you know who gets to sit on a couch somewhere um, which which I think is even something that that we've kind of missed along the way in terms of you know yeah are that rhythm of just doing not doing nothing. Um, we kind of need to make space to do nothing, um, which, yeah, as as travelers in 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 new countries, that you you would think, um, you know, what are you crazy? You know, look at what you can do and see. But um, we we just have to learn that about ourselves and um, and and figure out what what works. And um, so that that that's been a thing. Um, I think balancing that off with some of the external. Um, pressures that we do actually still feel with um, uh, the Schengen time that we're allowed in the European um, countries. Uh, there's a thing, it's it's far more complicated than you probably want to get into, but you know we have essentially 90 days out of 180 that we can be in the majority of the of the European countries. This is to to be able to travel without a visa. With yeah, for as at least for as Canadians, um, you know, and I think Americans and and many other um, citizens, um, yeah, without having a to to not have to get a visa, you you can you're allowed a ninety day pass um, into any number of of the con- countries, but it doesn't you know reset when you go to a new country. It doesn't even reset if you leave the Schengen region. And then once you've done your days. You have to wait, I think, another 90 days before you can restart the clock as well. It's kind of like a rotating clock, though. And so it's not even it's, as simple it's, as it's, that. It's, it's a rolling 180 days. If you roll back, if you count back the last 180 days, you're allowed to be in the Schengen region at 90 of in any 90 of those 180 days. Um, right. so and, how, and so how that keep... it rolls. It, Here's a spreadsheet. I, I got a spreadsheet now for it. Oh, <laughs> um, that, and, and, the, and there are websites where you can kind of plug in the last dates that you've been in and when you've been out and, and, and it'll, it'll figure out, figure things out. But it, it's, it, um, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it just it has put, um, a degree of of uh, we have an allowance of time um, that uh, that we get to use, which means really that you have to spend ninety of those hundred and eighty days somewhere else. So places like the UK um, count as outside of the Schengen region. Places like Morocco are outside the Schengen region. Uh, Croatia used to be outside of the Schengen region. We were going to use that, but um, they joined in January. They, they, we messed it they, up. They joined in January, so we, we missed that. But um, Turkey is is of course outside. Uh, you know, is is outside. So Albania was. Albania was. So so we we uh, you know once we got to some of those places, um, the t- clock kind of relieved itself, and now all of a sudden. We could spend as long as we wanted in any of those countries, um, and and didn't have to say, oh, for every day we spend here, um, it's one less day that we get to spend in in Switzerland or, or Germany later on, or whatever we might want to do. Mm. Um, so it's it's kind of like spending, you know, yeah, it's like a kid's getting you know five dollar allowance and 
trying to decide uh, you know, what, what, you what candies to buy. <laughs> yeah. um, because if you buy that one, you're not gonna be able to buy that one. So, right. so, um, so, so getting, um, getting out of, of those areas is, you know, has, we operate on a very different rhythm. Albania particularly was, uh, was a big stretch where, yeah, we just planted. Were, we planted for two weeks um, and, um, and just kind of got into a rhythm of, of going for a walk downtown and around the beaches areas. Sometimes we explored the, the local areas and, and just, you know, um, it was living abroad at that point and not necessarily traveling. And I think maybe that's part of it is, is that traveling is, uh, is, you know, takes a lot of energy, a lot of processing, a lot of uh, decision making. Um, and, and we are operating by the skin of our teeth with, with a lot of those decisions. Skin you know? of our teeth. Well, in terms of whether we're going left or right, or if we're going to go to Albania, if we're going to go to, um, you know, Greece, whatever it is, we're, we're deciding things um, a couple of days ahead of time. Mm. Well, Albania, we thought we might spend a little more time and then we... We met with some of their roads, and I said, I actually don't think I'm up for this. So we changed our plan and skirted across the north of Greece to get into Turkey faster. And and that was a good decision for us. But, mm-hmm. of course, you always think, oh, well, what, what did, did we miss? miss in Albania? What did you miss in North Macedonia? Did Doug try and t- tell you the roads weren't that bad after all? Uh, no, no, we had a good heated discussion on that one too. <laughs> That's what I mean. You're saying the roads are bad. He's saying, ah, you know, they're not so bad. <laughs> well, it's 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 tough actually because yeah, there's part of you know I there's a draw for me to to the more rustic areas, um, and the, but the rustic areas have have more rustic roads, um, but you know that. Uh, that increases the stress and sharing, you know, more and to the point where that's just not worth it. Um, and uh, so to, um, to... I think and, maybe and, and I discovered we, that I have more of a fear of edges and huge drops and uh, heights than I realized. Because no. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, that, um, that would not go well if that ended badly. And he's like not even thinking about it. Right. But you're getting very uncomfortable. <laughs> Like this road has major fall off and uh, disassembly, and what's going to come up next? Will it get better or will it get worse? I, I don't know that I want to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you find so, you becoming a better rider through this, Sharon? I shouldn't say better. Is your confidence level increasing or decreasing? That is a that is a good question. I would say it has. Uh, my urban driving has increased in my confidence and my comfort level, although we don't tend to go into urban centers as often. Um, but there are still certain things that I get blocked on. And and in the time when I'm getting like, uh, if I have momentum, I can go through the exact same environment. But if I'm from a stopped point, my brain gets in the way an awful lot of the time. And mm-hmm. And... Doug's not always sure how to support me in that time. And so sometimes he comes up with some really helpful suggestions and I just want him to shut up in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop talking. I'm already overwhelmed. This is in oh, your I'm helmet, about, right? <laughs> this is over the yeah, calms. I'm thinking yeah. About, yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
I would I would say her competency has certainly increased, um, but your confidence has not. <laughs> um, and 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 that's where it's really challenging for me and not <laughs> not for me, but but because I know she's capable of it because I've seen her do it. Um, but then then her, her confidence uh, will will get. Um, Shaken and and it it just is is a real challenge for for things. But like you, you I had, I um, I we have driven through such crazy steep roads that um, that she has you know before she would have not taken on, but now she knows. Well, she either has a choice to do it or not, and, and she just chooses <laughs> to do it more often now. But um, I've seen her do these things really well. I've seen her do you know U-turns and sure, gravels. But I, I often will say competent, but not comfortable with yeah. everything we're doing. And I think you had um, Clinton on recently where he said, you know, guys often overestimate their abilities and women underestimate their abilities. Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah, that. That's probably true. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't know what he's talking about, guys. Of being yeah, overconfident. No, I'm done with you, Doug. There. Uh, no, the thing is, too, is if you don't have the confidence, then you you really aren't competent in some cases. Like that, that will be the difference that will make or break you doing something. And, and like Doug said, you have the skill. Now all you need is a confidence in your skill and the fact that you have it, recognize that and think, no, no, I can do this because that will make the difference of you getting through. That will be what holds you back. That will be what puts you onto the ground you know, unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I often say to him, I am just shorter than you are. So uneven ground for him um, plays a different discrepancy with his height versus mine. Right. And so yeah. sometimes I say, I wish just for one day you could switch into my body just for one day. You could see what it's like being a five foot three person riding these <laughs> yeah. reaches. <laughs> Yeah, it did. No, and and you know the funny thing is, is like I, it was quite a while ago. We did an episode on you know, is it easier to ride if you're tall as opposed to short? And and everybody argues this. You know, they all, there's all kinds of short riders, are great riders, and all the examples and everything. It's it's true. But the fact of the matter is, just from a leverage point of view, it's easy if you can just put your feet down and hold your bike up as opposed to having to shift your hips off to the side, drop your foot down, find the ground and balance the bike. That That's a different scenario, no matter what. Yes. Yes. Or tippy toes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, tippy toes would be, I, I think that'd be more difficult. Like when you're trying to balance, are you sliding off to the one side or are you trying to do both feet down tippy toes? Uh, both depends yeah. on, and sometimes you just, you stop at an environment that you think looks flat and you're like, Oh, that, that's not as, not as even as I thought it was. So yeah, yeah slide over a bit. You guys said um, the reasons that you were going on this trip, Sharon. I think you, what you said was change of pace. And Doug, you were really interested in, in people's stories, the the people that are out there and the people that you meet. Are you guys finding this? Yeah, I would say we've heard lots of different stories from people, and and sometimes it's interesting where you where that happens, right? Like even just yesterday, we stopped for coffee and started talking with the person at the next table and you get this whole story of what she's working on for her doctorate with um, helping people, primarily refugees um, and immigration and border crossing issues, right? And that just was a chance conversation and we have those over and over and over again with different people. Campgrounds tend to be a little more sociable than 
um, hotels. So I think we found with the weather and being off season and shifting more to hotel accommodations, you maybe don't get the same number of interactions. Yeah, we haven't so much been in uh, hotels as, a, as apartments or, or Airbnbs and different. But yeah, we don't have that same sort of, you know, sharing, um, yeah, parking next to each other. So you don't end up with, with so much um, dialogue with people, with travelers because cause we're in such a quiet time of the year. Um, we're kind of one of the few travelers that we that we that we see a lot of times. Um, but it's picking up. I, I certainly, from a uh, traveling through and 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 seeing how people live, mm-hmm. um, that that we see every day. And and um, and um, I I am humbled by how hard people work to to provide for their families. Um, you know, and and the fact that uh, we've got this opportunity to um, to do what we're doing um, while these people, you know, are 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 working. Uh, you know, older senior ladies, um, you know, hauling bales of hay on their backs, and and you know, seeing people, you know, wheeling wheelbarrows of of whatever, or hauling, you know, collecting garbage and 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 bottles or. Or you know, or having you know thriving businesses and and you know creating um, you know shops and all that sort of stuff, um, driving around in different vehicles, um, you know, little um, loading up the motor, motorcycles with things or trikes with things, um, um, or, or vehicles said. that should never be on the road, <laughs> <laughs> or trucks that are overloaded with uh, with way more than we would ever put on them in North America. You just you just the norm of things, the norm of how traffic moves, the norm of how people move um, is just um, well. You have to kind of learn how it works to be able to to live in it. You know, you to to figure out how to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you got sure. you got to adapt, um, and 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 get used to to how people do it here. And we've also said our sense of middle class is kind of skewed. Oh. In North America, I think, because there are lots of intelligent, university-educated people who, um, you know, don't own a car because that's just not normal in a lot of middle-class situations in different countries. And so you, you just kind of, I think, uh, recognize your privilege more. Mm. Just feeling grateful more for what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've always been pretty grateful. I think we just realize um, some of the discrepancies that we didn't realize in the same way. So it's being maybe more informed. Does that change the way you will look at your life when you come back? Well, we've sort of said, what what are we going to do with all the space? We've been living in much smaller square footages and uh, doing just fine. Yeah, we 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 actually find that uh, that we explode a lot more when we're um, when we have more space um, when when we have a tent or uh, or or just a small bedroom. Um, we, we can keep it tight. We, we seem to keep our stuff a little more tight, but uh, 
Um, when you say explode, are you talking emotionally or you're talking about like clothing? Our, <laughs> all our crap. No, all our crap. All our, all our, our, our luggage and, and the stuff that we carry, the stuff on, yeah. that we carry on our bikes, we're, we're, we're quite amazed by what we actually do carry. And, and when it starts spreading out around a room or, or, <laughs> or a two bedroom, you know, or not a two bedroom, but a, you know, an apartment with a living room, for instance, then all of a sudden things, things spread out a lot more. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I think it, it makes us think about, um, how fine we are with, you know, a bedroom or a bedroom in a living room type of space that, um, um, yeah, to, to, to go back to typical North American living where you have multiple rooms and multiple, multiple bathrooms, bathrooms. And, and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's like, well, what do we need all that for? Because we seem to be get by quite fine, uh, fine without. So, um, I mean, we say that now, and I'm sure we'll, we'll you know, we're willing to uh, adapt. To, to, to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's amazing how comfortable you can be with um, surprisingly little, um, yeah, less less stuff, less less clothes, less less yeah. of everything, and um, we have everything we need. We have everything we need on our motorcycles, and 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 even even more so, even more than we need. It's interesting if that will actually follow you back home or if you'll just go back home and fall into the routine. Because I, I think when you, you sort of go into an environment, like you're going into an environment now or, or sometimes where you're finding that things are different, life is different for people and they, and they have different expectations, maybe lower expectations, some would say, but simpler expectations when it comes to space or possessions or whatever. Will that follow you back home when you'll think you get back home and you go, you know, we just don't need all this stuff. We don't need all this space, et cetera. Or do you just come back and because it's the norm here, plug into your old life? I think we've always been conscious of our consumerism and tried to be fairly simplistic and, uh, you know, thrifting and recycling and, and really kind of questioning, is this a want or a need? Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, I think it'll maybe hone that more, but, um, I, we weren't living extravagantly before we left either. <laughs> I think um, I think to be able to stay light, um, it opens up the possibilities uh, for a lot of things that are interesting for us. You know, perhaps down the road to, um, you know, as 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 you think about. Um, yeah, if, if if we don't populate our house with all sorts of our personal belongings, like for, you know, in order to rent our place, one of the exercises we went through at one point was, or at several points, was to, to thin down stuff. and get rid of stuff and box it up and, and right. get it away so that somebody, you know, t some total stranger can live in our house. Um, and if we don't go in and repopulate our house with all of our crap, <laughs> um, that that maybe leaves an option to to be able to um, to take on different thing you know trips or something like that down the road as well in terms of um, hey if we can rent our place out um, that maybe opens up the possibilities of of doing uh, doing other things so so we get uh, we can get so heavy and loaded with stuff that I think it it maybe impacts what uh, what options uh, we think we have. Um, so, so certainly we've experienced a lot of living light and living simpler, um, and seem to realize that, um, that it's, 
Um, it's not the end of the world. It's not. Uh, it's. Um, it's <laughs> I don't think it's, we well, ever thought it was. No, no, I don't think it was. But but and it just opens up some incredible opportunities. The the opportunities, the things we've done, the things we've seen, the the people that we've met, um, in in just one week, let alone nine months. In the past nine months, it's it's just so overwhelming to us in that holy cow we've we've experienced so much um compared to having sat at home for the last year watching netflix every night um which is a perfectly fine which which is a fine and i will go back to it wholeheartedly (laughs) um but uh but it's 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 just um so overwhelming when we start looking back or you go back through pictures and 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 start seeing holy cow, what a bunch of things that we've seen and still been able to kind of operate a normal life. We're still, you know, working. We're still um, doing laundry, doing laundry, looking, you know, and and, um, it's it's just different. It's a different living. Um, And um, it's it's been a a treat for for me. Did anything not work out? You know, you planned your trip. We talked about it before you left and all the things you'd you'd planned and, and you know, sort of prepared for. Did anything blindingly not work out and you got there and said, well, we've got to dump that? <laughs> well, Sharon did mention, and this, I'll say this as a time killer for while Sharon thinks of a better answer. Um, <laughs> but um, one of the things that Sharon mentioned at one of the first campsites, uh, they had this, you know, take or give um, piles or shelves. And, uh, you know, one of the things that happened when we shipped our bikes to Iceland was, uh, you know, we carried some stuff. We, we hadn't totally sent them as a total packed unit. We did a lot of practice packing, but not with everything ever everything, everything. Um, and it turned out that when we tried to put everything on the bikes, we had too much stuff. Um, and and it, 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 it turned out that it was like a death by a thousand cuts. You know, it's for some reason, I had a pack seven. of seven USB um, memory sticks, <laughs> which, which they're small, right? There's, there's sure. no big deal. But you know, for some reason, I had seven of them. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, then I, you, you have some water bottles. You have some different things that, that it turns out that um, if you just get rid of some of those little things, all of a sudden you have a bit more space for, for stuff. And that was hardly something that didn't work out, but it was uh, something that, uh, that we had to kind of adjust as, you know, in terms of that wasn't working out. We couldn't put everything on the bikes. Um, and it's nice to have a bit more breathe space in the panniers than, uh, than being packed to the gills. So what did you do? Give yeah. it away? Um, yeah. Yeah. There was uh, a give and takeaway pile and we're like... Be free. Go bless someone else. There you go. <laughs> well, if it's a traveler give and take away, I expect there's a lot there of people yeah. giving to yeah. get rid of stuff. Oh, yeah. In Iceland, you'd see hiking boots and sleeping bags and cooking stoves and like you're oh, just I, like. I've, an, I've, I forget what I put on it, but I, I put some things that really hurt my heart to do. Like there's like a <laughs> tripod or something like that. Then I'm like, you know what? I'm just it's just not going to work. And and there's mm-hmm. different things like that, that um, that I somebody was going to super appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> we had gone to Rome um, for our 25th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Good. And um, so we. Thought we'll go back to Rome. We we had the campsite. We had rented a bike before, so we know exactly this familiar campsite. No problem. We shipped um, bike uh, bike tires there and the whole bit. And then when we got to the campground, they told us, um, "Oh, actually, the bathrooms are closed." 
so you for the can't, for, for the season for the season definitely. so you can't camp here but you can have this cabin instead and so um you know it really didn't work out the way we had planned it to because again expensive city we wanted to do it less expensively but mm -hmm. it still worked out to be cheaper because it was off season we had a, our own bathroom and an indoor bed and everything else and so you know what what didn't work out worked out really well in the end <laughs> Although I, th I thought you were going a different direction with, oh. with, with Rome, um, oh. because that was also right near the time of, of where... Doing uh, too much. Uh, yeah, a breakdown and the accumulation up to that breakdown had, had just sort of happened. Um, and I think, you know... I spent the first two days in bed, but again, it was <laughs> in an indoor bed, so that was good. I was like, I'm just going to lie here and sleep for a couple of days. We were in Rome, and, you know, and, and this, is, this happens, right? You're, you're in amazing places, but it's like, you know what? The priority right now is just rest and we'll go yeah. and explore it later. Um, and, uh, and we just kind of had to burrow down and, 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 and take, take some rest. Well, you guys have fun out there. Ride safe. Thank you. Go slow. We, we are learning. We are learning that. We are enjoying that. We, uh, we are uh, appreciating getting around and, um, and just seeing uh, what happens every day. And, uh, and it never, ever fails that at the end of the day, we, uh, we've generally been, um, quite pleased or surprised or, or, um, grateful, uh, grateful for, for, for what's taking place and, and being, you know, just placing us ourselves in that position to allow it to happen has, has been, uh, been a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. Sharon, Doug, thanks so much. It was great to talk to you. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. That was Sharon and Doug Wildeboer from The Road Mid-Trip. You can follow their adventures at their website, areweheryet.net. And we've got some photos and, of course, links in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. That about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you. Thank you very much for being a part of the show by listening to it. Hey, the show is built on a model of advertising and listener support. If you're not supporting already, we'd really appreciate it if you would. Just drop by the website and have a look. AdventureRiderRadio.com. Click on support. If you decide not to, there's tons of other things to look at on the website. You know, for every episode that we do, we have show notes, which usually includes photos, sometimes some videos, definitely links. So all that information is in the show notes on our episode or on our website, rather, for each episode. Now, we also do another show called Adventure Rider Radio Raw. Raw comes out on the 21st of every month. So on the 21st of each month, you want to check for that. It's a separate feed, so you need to download it uh, separately as a separate uh, podcast. 
but it's a roundtable talk of motorcycle travel. There's a group of us to get on there. It's very popular and uh, well-received. So drop by there and have a look. Anyway, another way, I just want to throw there, another way you can help us out is by giving us a five-star rating anywhere you find podcasts because that helps other people find the show. So we'd love to see that. Throw up a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. Anyway, get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Sterling Noreen, you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs> <laughs>